0: helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I suppose it's always been there, but it seems to me more and more obvious over the years of my life. What I'm talking about is the willingness to capitulate if there's no guarantee of success we've seen this in the calls to not bother filing articles of impeachment because they won't be convicted in the senate we've seen it in the desire to stop the budget battle because well house republicans will never win and we've seen it in the call for some to give up their race to become a party candidate because well they don't stand a chance now, all of these calls to give up because you supposedly cannot succeed, they remind me of the story of John Quincy Adams' career in the House of Representatives. I think we should remember the adage, you cannot win if you will not try. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution Teach Rising Generation to be free. I got a great show for you today. I have not one, but two interviews. I have two people we're going to talk to. I'll give you more details later in the program. But the second and third uh, segment are all going to be interviews. And I think you'll find them very interesting and very helpful in this point in our in, in, in the world. As I mentioned, you know th- this idea of, well, we can't win, so we shouldn't do anything. And I use some national examples, but we see it all the time. You see, you can't fight city hall, or uh, uh, even the 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 play Don Quixote uh, and the idea of tilting at windmills. And you know, granted, Don Quixote was a little nuts. He thought the windmills were um, were were knights. But the very idea of charging against something where you cannot win seems to be lost. Take for example, I, I mentioned the the House career of John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams had an extremely interesting life. At the age of eight, he was doing musket drills with the Massachusetts militia. He actually watched the Battle of Bunker Hill as it was happening. I think it was about 12 when he was sent with his father to be his father's secretary in in France. His father became ambassador to France, and, and he brought his son along, eventually learning the French language so well that at the age of 14... He was appointed as, I believe, the, the secretary, of the, the, as an envoy to Russia. He was, an, he was assistant to the envoy to Russia because he could speak French and the envoy could not. I mean, that's pretty, and again, age 14. We have people today at 20 and 30 years old can't get out of their parents' basement. Here you have a, a child of half that age who is an accomplished diplomat. In fact, I believe it was uh, George Washington who referred to John Quincy Adams as America's greatest patriot. The man served as our sixth president, and then after that, he went back and served again in the House of Representatives. Now, he spent 17 years in the House, and his primary goal, his, his focus was to abolish the slave trade and for years he worked about he submitted legislation resolutions amendments speeches he wouldn't shut up about abolishing the slave trade the problem was well the house of representatives was major- majority pro slavery so his attempts went nowhere did that stop him no he kept going on and on and on at one point the house Passed a rule they nicknamed the John Quincy Adams Gag Order just to try and get him to shut up. It didn't work. For 17 years, he worked to abolish the slave trade in America. Near the end of his career, near the end of his life, he was asked, Mr. Adams, for all of these years you've been trying to abolish slave trade, and you have failed each and every time. Why do you keep fighting when you keep failing? And I will never forget his words, his response. He says, duty is ours. Results are God's. He didn't fight against the slave trade because he knew he could win. He fought against the slave trade because he thought it was his duty to defend the rights of his fellow man. And when you talk about a man dedicated to duty, I, I'm pretty sure John Quincy Adams actually died On the floor of the House of Representatives, but you see, his story was not a failure. A lot of people would look at that and say, "See, he didn't get the slave trade pushed through; he didn't get abolished, so it was a failure." No, 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 no. See, near the end of his career, Mister. Adams took on a protege, a a young, recently elected member of the House, that he would he would assist in his grooming he would assist him in his as he learned the ways of the house of representatives this this young man was with john quincy adams near the end of his career and he watched his fight by the way who was this this protege of john quincy adams abraham lincoln think about that john quincy adams might not have seen the abolition of the slave trade but his protégé helped bring about the abolition of slavery. Not like him or hate him. Give him credit. He took from his mentor a, an understanding of perseverance that helped him not only through the Civil War, but to see the, the abolishing of slavery in this country. Uh, what would have happened if, if John Quincy... After the first few years of, of defeat after defeat after defeat, said, you know what? I'm not going to win. I give up. What would have happened if the House didn't have to come up with a rule to try and shut him up? What would have happened if he had taken on a protege without the fervent desire to do what he knew his duty was, and that was to abolish the slave trade? See, there are words we don't hear as much anymore, and I don't think we give as much weight anymore. Duty and honor. Now, we have a general understanding of these words, right? Duty are the, the services, the conduct, the tasks that you are supposed to do, the obligatory aspects of your life. And, and honor generally involves uh, your good name or, or your, your recognition. I want to use them a little differently. I'm not changing the meaning, but consider this. Let's say that the duty is the responsibility you owe others. The, 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 the demands on your life that come from others. You have a, a duty to serve on a jury. I would say you have a duty to vote in elections. We have a duty. We have a responsibility that others place on us compared with honor, which is the duty that we owe to ourselves. A, 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 A soldier in the military has a duty to follow orders, but it's on his honor that he does so with great patriotism respect. Now what's interesting is if you take duty and honor and you add them together, you end up with character, which to me is best described as the way you act when nobody's watching. Now, why is that important? Well, I think there has been a, an abdication of duty. There's been a diminution of honor, which has led to a corruption of the character of so many of we, the people of the United States. Now, my my two guests are going to talk along those. First, I'm going to have Stephen LaTulip. He is a doctor and a, fe- a fellow America Out Louder. And he's been writing about what's been going on in the conflict between Texas and the United States. And since we've both been talking and writing about this, I thought it'd be nice to sit down and have a chat with him uh, and for you all to listen in. So we'll talk a bit about that. After which, I- I- I'm going to have... um. Brad Miller. Uh, he is, I guess, he's kind of the spokesman for a petition being led by uh, the the military accountability um, group. I don't know what. The, we'll we'll find out more details. But both of these involve this concept of duty and honor, and that's kind of where uh, uh, I, I, I th- that's where we're going today before I get to I, I got before we get into the interviews consider this I, I saw an article that the, the city of Seattle settled with the 2020 BLM rioters for over 10 million dollars for what are called excessive force claims now listen if the police in the in the riots of 2020 used excessive force, then yes, it is right and proper for uh, there to be compensation to those who were aggrieved. Uh, What about compensation? What about being held accountable for the damages done to Seattle during those riots? See, that's the problem. See, that's where uh, um, I see duty and honor breaking down. You see, yes, you have a, 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 a... we have a right to petition for redress of to, to peaceably assemble, to express our ideas. But on our honor, we should respect the rights of others because we have a duty to respect the rights of others. And if we do not recognize the duty we have to respect the rights of others, then how can we have honor in anything that we do? See, the BLM demonstrations were fine. When they escalated into riots, that's where duty and honor, that's where character broke down. Because you had men and women that no longer were being restrained by outside forces. And their character took over and it was not very pretty. So I see character is how you act when, when no one is there to see you. No one's there to to stop you. Now there's another... Uh, item that that made me think of of character, of duty and honor. Uh, Peter Navarro, who was a former Trump advisor has been sentenced to uh, four months in prison for denying a uh, for for um, uh, contempt of Congress for denying a subpoena. Now. I have a lot to say about that because I see nowhere in the Constitution that Congress is given the power to command someone appear. Since it isn't delegated to them in 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 uh, it uh, in the Constitution, they don't have that power. Now I could understand if they were um, holding legitimate uh, uh, inquiries for the de- purpose of developing legislation. You could invite someone to speak. But where do they have the authority to command someone? They don't have investigative authority. They don't have executive authority. So I've questioned so many of these, uh, uh, these subpoenas. But here's where character comes in. See, Obama's Attorney General, Eric Holder, failed to appear for a subpoena. And um, he was never charged with the contempt of Congress. He was never impeached for that. But Peter Navarro has been charged, convicted, and punished for not for not uh, bowing to a subpoena that I claim the Congress has no legal authority, no constitutional authority to issue. Now, when um, uh, Hunter Biden defied a congressional subpoena, he was at least threatened with. Uh, contempt of Congress, and apparently they were going to start to they were starting the proceedings for a contempt charge when he came up and said, "Okay, uh, I'll we can make a deal." But this is what I keep saying: duty and honor, duty and honor. Um, do I have a duty to submit to an illegal subpoena? I know Congress. Again, where in the Constitution is Congress given the authority to issue subpoenas? But it's also the duty we have to treat all people equally. So if you're going to, if you're not going to send, if you're not going to charge one person in a political position, why are you charging another in a political position? It's a lack of honor. It's a lack of honor because that duty that we owe ourselves to act honorably, we fail to fulfill. And in the words of James Madison in Federalist 51, If men were angels, we would need no government. If government were populated with angels, we'd need no controls on them. And maybe, just maybe, if we spend a little more time teaching ourselves and our children about character, about honor and duty, then we wouldn't need government to come in and push so much. Maybe we could do it for ourselves. Now, I have a break I need to get to before I go, though. I want to remind you, you know, um, if you're worried about spikes, uh, the spike protein, right? If you're worried about shedding or, or long COVID, well, the wellness company has a product that can help. Their spike support is designed for people, whether you're vaccinated or not, to deal with the spike proteins. They're inflammatory. They're toxic. They're not good for you. Daily spike support can be taken whether you've, you're have you protecting against being va- a vaccine or just afraid of what might, concerned, I should say, about what might happen. Now, this is backed by documented research, and it's vetted by the medical board of the wellness company. You can get spike support, you can get 25% off of not just spike support, but all of their products if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. You can even get 25% off your first month of membership. So check out the wellness company. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. You can also find the details of how to get 25% off of their products and off your first month of membership. Also, please check out the website constitutionstudy.com. That's the home of all things Constitution Study. You can sign up for a mailing list. You can ask a question. I'm looking for more questions uh, for the the radio program, so you can ask a question if you want it answered on the radio. There's a little checkbox that says, please answer on the radio. Uh, You can pick up some of my books, some of my my other products. I've got some T-shirts that are on clearance that are 50% off. You can also find all the other work that we're doing here at the Constitution Study. Now, right after this break, I will be back with Dr. Steve LaTulip, and we'll be talking more about the the, the conflict going on between the state of Texas and the United States Department of Homeland Security.
1: The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase for 25% off your first order.
2: Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out Out AmericaOutloud.shop With premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with Pure Plant Protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday
0: Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about how duty plus honor equals character. And as promised, I have with me Dr. Steve LaTulip, uh, he's been writing about what's been going on between the state of Texas and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So I thought it'd be great to get together and chat a little bit. Hello, Dr. LaTulip.
3: Uh, thank you for joining us here at the Constitution Study. Hi, Paul. Thank you. So glad to be with you. And uh, I am ready for a discussion. Excellent. Well, so
0: I, I've given my audience my opinion about this, looking at the Constitution and all that. But I've seen you writing it on America Out Loud Uh, about this situation again texas took a section of their border and said feds if you aren't going to enforce the the border enforce the law we will it's a texas border as well as a u.s border we have every right to defend ourselves
3: and that's been my position what about you um i think that's a very good position that is very strongly backed by uh article one section 10 Clause three of our constitution I'm sure you've talked about that um it utterly amazes me that we are even having to have this discussion uh because it's it's just beyond anything that we would ever imagine uh you know in a free republic
0: yeah you know it is pretty sad to uh, be in a situation where uh the government simply refuses to enforce uh enforce the laws um you know it, it's uh it, yes it's sad to be in this situation but there's a couple interesting things that I've drawn out of it uh one is you know reading through the constitution the power of immigration is not delegated to the United States i know it seems wrong and it seems it seems strange but um if you read the constitution yes congress can make laws for naturalization uh but um not immigration, but even the basic idea of um, uh, of borders. You know, if, if you think about it, the uh, uh, the Constitution doesn't even mention a, a a U.S. border, a federal border. It does recognize that you have states, and those states have well, they have borders, and they have the right to protect themselves. Um, but as you we see, this has turned into um, a political nightmare as well. How do you see? We have the, the Supreme Court saying,
3: um, yes, you can cut the razor wire. What's your reading on that? Well, I think it is a clear testimony to the fact that we have three rogue branches. Uh, of our government right now. I mean, what if you look at who's coming across the border and you listen to the people who are being interviewed, the very illegals coming in, they are telling us, like this one guy, Mofsam Samadav, uh, who, who said, if you were smart enough, you'd know who I am. But soon he says, you will know who I am. Believe me, you will see. Now, this guy was shortly after that interview identified As the chairman of the uh, uh, Azerbaijan uh, Islamic Party. And this guy has subsequently disappeared. Okay. So this guy is an evil, known terrorist convicted. He served, I think, a, a decade in prison. And he is now out there somewhere, embedded in America, likely, in my opinion, being funded. fully funded and supported by our government. And that's what really irks me, Paul, because what we're seeing here is not just the federal government not doing their job, but they are actually funding the invasion. They're not saying come to America free of charge. They're saying, here, we're going to pay you to cross our border. We're going to protect you. We're going to take care of you medically, give you housing and food and a cell phone and and, and whatever else. You know, this, this is truly an invasion by definition.
0: Well, it's interesting because I I question that definition only because, you know me, I go back to dictionaries and uh, technically, legally, a dictionary, uh, a a legal dictionary says an invasion involves uh, conquest and and, and generally the military. But yes, in the colloquial term, our borders are being overrun. And uh, of course, you, you talk about uh, you know, Article 4, Section 4, the United States shall guarantee to every state in the Union a Republican form of government and protect each of them against invasion. And obviously the federal government hasn't done this, which brings us to Texas. So uh, Texas, they're a state. They're, they're a sovereign state. They have their own constitution. The governor finally said enough is enough and started taking measures to protect his state. How did you react when the uh, uh, when the Supreme Court uh, vacated the injunction against the federal government cutting the the concertina wire that the state of Texas had put up.
3: Well, you know, I was surprised, obviously. it was a five to four five to four uh, decision. but what really bothered me is that we had two conservative justices who cited, with the rogue regime and that is very concerning because you know i guess you're right we we have perhaps a bit of a semantic argument because those who are coming into our country they're not coming in through checkpoints they're not coming in legally but you might say that most of them are not armed so this is not an armed invasion but what about all the weapons, all, all the the government uh, supplies of ammunition that are being stored? That is it just to deprive us, or could that be being put aside for use later uh, when these sleeper cells are awakened? We just don't have that answer, and that really troubles me.
0: Yeah, it, legally, whether it's an invasion or not, it's cer- it's it's certainly a violation of statutory law, and uh, to me, it. Uh, not only a dereliction of Dooney, certainly a misdemeanor by the the president to to fail to fulfill his office. Now, obviously, the the administration has a different point of view. Uh, let me play for you a, a clip. This is Corinne Jean Pierre on CNN, being asked about uh, this the the federal government's position, uh, including, by the way, the uh, the recent Supreme Court uh,
4: vacature of injunction. It doesn't seem like they've gotten it. Uh, they now are allowed to cut down razor wire. Yeah. Some Democrats are saying the president needs to federalize, uh, the, the Texas National Guard. So that's something that could happen. I mean, look,
5: I'll say this, uh, you know, the border patrol agents are now, as you said, allowed to cut through the wire because of what the Supreme court has laid out. It's, it's unfortunate that we had to go there. It's unfortunate that there is a governor in Texas, Governor Abbott, who has politicized this issue of what's happening on the border. And it's not making people's lives safer. It's actually making it harder for law enforcement at the, at the border to do their job. And so we have been very clear. We want to make sure we get something done at the border. That's why we've been having these conversations with Senate Republicans and Democrats for the past several weeks to come up with a bipartisan agreement right. to deal with the border. And look, In fact, the governor is not interested in that. Governor Abbott is not interested in that. He wants to politicize an issue, and he's not helping communities. He actually isn't. And he's actually putting Border Patrol agents in harm's way by doing what he's doing. I'm not going to speak to any actions that the president might take, may not take, but we have been very clear on this.
0: I I cannot tell if, if she simply lives in bizarro world. Or um, if this is the worst case of psychological projection I've ever encountered, but you talk about politicizing the border, we've had three years of the Biden administration saying, "Hey, we're just not going to enforce the law." You talk about harming people, we've had three years of the Biden administration saying, "Oh yeah, you you private landowners, don't worry about all the damage done, don't worry about the destruction." You cities that are just being swamped with illegal aliens. That because you said you'd be a sanctuary, they're being you know, financially destroyed. And, and uh, does she see the world around
3: her, or is she seeing everything you know backwards and upside down? Well, I think Paul, she's seeing things through her lens, and through that lens, I, I got to give her credit, Jean Pierre. Uh, is perhaps speaking the truth. And by that, I'm saying just by her words, she says the border patrol agents have have, uh, not been allowed to do their job. Right. And so, Um, they are now allowed to do their job. And she said, you know, it's sad we had to go there to the Supreme Court to get this. Actually, she says to get something done at the border. And we know what that something is done. They are trying to process the illegals as fast as they can as they come across the border. That's the job that they are trying to get done. That is the job that has been hindered by the national guard putting up the razor wire and so in that sense she's speaking the truth of what they are really trying to do the problem is we're not listening because we're thinking in terms of protecting the border they are thinking in terms of destroying the border so that the invasion if you want to call that an invasion these Illegals coming through are unhindered. That's what they've been pushing for. And that's why Joe Biden has challenged uh, every attempt uh, by the state of Texas to protect its borders.
0: In other words, listen not to what she says as much as listen to what they're doing. She's actually let she let the cat out of the bag. It's not about protecting the border. It's not about dealing with the border. It's about uh, making sure our policies of letting everybody come in happen. And laws and rules and regulations and and constitution get out of it. We don't care. Our goal, our agenda is to bring these people in. I believe there's there's a lot of truth to that. And uh, you know, I I find it interesting that uh, she explained well. Border patrol. She's they're endangering border patrol by saying, "Go sit down. If you won't do the job, we will go away." Go sit down. It's actually the the people in the National Guard that are being put in in harm's way. What do you do? You think there's a um, a situation where, say, Biden would uh, attempt I say attempt to federalize the Texas National Guard?
3: Oh, I think that he would certainly attempt to do it. I think it would be a futile attempt. I don't think the National Guard would ever do that. And especially given the fact that we have half of the nation now uh, saying that they will throw their support behind Texas. We have 25 states and counting. Maybe there's more now. I don't know. But um, I don't think that Biden would be able to get it done, but absolutely. And when we're saying Biden, we know it's not Biden making these decisions. It is the Uniparty, maybe Obama and whoever else is influencing them. So absolutely, they would attempt to do that. Yeah, there are, uh, was it the
0: Speaker of the House, multiple members of the House, multiple governors of the states, are saying, no, including my home, my now adopted home of Tennessee, saying, no, they support what Texas is doing because Texas is enforcing the law. Um, and I, I, I want to re- reinforce that the only thing the Supreme Court has done so far is vacate an injunction against the U.S. DHS from cutting the Constantino wire. which is So they didn't tell the governor he couldn't put it up. They just said, DHS, you can take it down. So the first thing the governor does, put up more razor wire. Um, you know, people are calling a constitutional crisis. I don't see this as a as a the only constitutional crisis I see is the DHS's and, and, and the Biden administration's absolute dereliction of duty and their desire to force the state of le- of tennis of Texas to allow them to violate the law, which I find ridiculous. And um, I really think if Biden were to attempt to nationalize the tennis the Texas. National Guard, um, I, I, I try not to prognosticate the future too much because I don't have a crystal ball. But remember, every officer of the Texas National Guard was appointed by the governor uh, of, of the state of Texas. They're designed to have their loyalty to Texas. And under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, you're only required to, file,
3: to follow lawful commands. So, if yes, you're, but if we you're saw how it, well that, yeah, we just saw how well that played out through the COVID uh, uh, reaction too with the military, though. I mean, it was an unlawful order to command them to be vaccinated and how many of them were tossed out of the military because of that. So, we're in a crisis here. I think this is a standoff. It, people would still call it a, a Cold War standoff at this point in time. But it could heat up very quickly. And and that's the big question that is on everybody's mind. Will it come to a point where we will um, raise uh, our arms against the other? You you know, will we physically try to stop them from cutting razor wire uh, as Texans and or other National Guard members? That's what everybody is wondering. This is the hot potato uh, that we are going to see play out in the next few weeks, perhaps
0: and was the attempt by the administration to falsely accuse texas of preventing border patrol from saving those three victims from drowning is that just simply you know an attempt to light that fire that uh, that we're currently uh, the bonfire that we're building there at the border
3: well, it, it's a moot point because we have checkpoints. If they would come in legally, it would not be an issue. So that that's a smokescreen for the leftists uh, who are perpetuating the invasion that are, that are funding the invasion.
0: Well, no, I'm talking because when the, the the mother and two children who drowned, the 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 administration, in fact, uh, Corinne Jean Pierre, told the American people that the Texas National Guard prevented Border Patrol from rescuing them, which is a bald-faced lie. The, the, the DOJ documents show that they drowned an hour before um, Border Patrol was notified. So, it, like I said, was this an attempt to stoke the fires to initiate uh, maybe a, a war that's not as cold as we may think it is?
3: Oh, I, I personally, Paul, I would not ever call this a cold war. Unfortunately, many innocent people are being killed by our government, including many, many Americans. And that goes just beyond the border crisis. But it goes, it, it involves the crisis of our federal government, uh, which is, in my opinion, an imposter government. Uh, I, I fully believe that Joe Biden uh, is not in control. Neither was he Uh, legally, rightfully elected as president of the United States. So there is the bigger picture, the big crisis. You know, Steve, you
0: talk about the the military and COVID. My next guest is Brad Miller, and uh, he is kind of leading a a charge to hold accountable uh, the leaders of the military regarding the uh, uh, their reaction to COVID. Um, I'm coming up on a break, Steve. Thank you for joining us. Do you have uh, kind of a message for my audience and let them know where they can find more of your work?
3: Oh, I would encourage you to, uh, of course, go to our americaoutloud.news uh, website. we got great speakers. Uh, we've got some great writers. Um, and uh, you can find me there uh, on Unity Without Compromise. I'll be on podcast podcast. Uh, from here on out, and I've got plenty of articles I'll be sending that way.
0: Uh, thanks, Steve. I, I also recommend people go to americaoutloud.news every day. Great source of information and great information to share to let other people know. You know, they they talk about they they say knowledge is power, but in my mind, no, knowledge in action is power. That means gathering the knowledge and then using it for something, sharing it with others. And I believe that is how we're going to secure the blessings of liberty, not by being keyboard warriors only, but by taking this information and using it. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure having you again. I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Thank you, Paul.
6: the year 2024 is upon us and it is our chance to get it right and take back a free America. AmericaOutloud.news is your source for uncensored and factual news that facilitates truth and unity among all Americans to restore that American dream we have always cherished. Now is our time my fellow Americans, America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Kofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Kofix has some great news. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout.
4: Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high stress, on the go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. Healthy Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health—cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides—with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill. It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients you would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off. Welcome back, Everyday
0: Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about duty, honor, and character. And I'm proud to have with me a gentleman by the name of Brad Miller. He is the principal organizer behind the Declaration of Military Accountability, which we will be talking about today. Brad, welcome to the Constitution Study.
7: Hey, thanks so much. Really happy to be here. I appreciate the invite.
0: You know, it's funny, I, a friend of mine, We I found out we all live in Tennessee, uh, he mm-hmm. sent me a link to the declaration and um, I found it very poignant. So take just a couple of minutes, tell my audience about you and your history, your background, and then let's talk about this declaration.
7: Yeah, so, you know, my name is Brad Miller. I uh, spent four years at West Point, went into the Army. That was in 2003 that I entered the Army. And um, my career ended at the end of 2021. Actually, I'm sorry, the end of 2022. So with 19 years of service, when I resigned from the military over the unlawful uh, COVID shot mandate. So I had been a battalion commander in the army. I was relieved of command. A couple of months later, once I realized that uh, this mandate was clearly and unequivocally unlawful and the military was not gonna walk it back, that's when I decided that, uh, that I could no longer in good faith continue service because of the oath that I had taken to the Constitution, which I have always taken very seriously. And I felt like I was in this weird situation where uh, I could not reconcile continued service in the military with the oath that I had taken. So long story short, I left the military in the fall of uh, 2022. And, you know, that's been not quite a year and a half, but since then I've tried to be very outspoken uh, about government overreach and about the destruction that has occurred within the military, much of it perpetrated by the military's own leadership. And um, most recently, a group of very good friends of mine, including one one friend, Rob Green, who is a currently serving Navy officer, we produced a document, Rob Green's the, the primary author behind it. But we produced a document that it is really an open letter to the American people in which 231 of us service members and vets, we pledge to the american people by signing the document that we are going to do everything lawfully within our power to clean up one of our most precious institutions which is the military because in essence we're gonna to have to save it from its own leadership
0: you know routinely people when they, when they talk about the 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 top institutions that we we recognize and honor and venerate our military is, is is right is it's always near the top if not at the top and you know, I, I give you credit. You walked away 19 years. You know, if you just held out a few more months, you'd have been eligible for a pension, wouldn't you?
7: Yeah, I would have. Yes.
0: But you put your oath, your, your solemn promise to the Constitution above that. I, I, I give you credit for it. Um, you know, so, th- again, this is dealing with primarily the the military's reaction to COVID and the forced, illegal forced injections of, of, uh, I mean, of this jab, it's not really a vaccine. Right. You know, interesting, as part of the military, you were required to take a lot of vaccines in your career, I'm assuming, correct?
7: Yeah. I mean, I did. I took, uh, I took shots before I would have gone to, well, I mean, I would have taken shots when I first showed up at West Point. I would have taken shots when I went to Afghanistan on multiple occasions. I would have taken different shots when I, uh, I spent a year in Honduras. I spent three years in Korea. So, I mean, I was constantly taking, you know, a, a different batch of shots to go here and a different batch of shots to go there. Um, and I, I look back on that and I have a lot of problems kind of with, with that in general. However, I certainly believed that this specific shot was, um, in a category all by itself. And, uh, and now I'm completely convinced and have been for at least two years that the, uh, that the mandate was, was clearly unlawful. So you're not,
0: you're definitely not an anti-vaxxer since you've been vaccinated multiple times in the past.
7: Um, I, I i'm pretty skeptical of vaccines in general but like i say um but i but i put my my thoughts about the covid shot in a category of uh of you know dubious science and legality all by itself
0: right and it let the legality i've talked about this in my program uh basically since the beginning it, it was it was one of the things we started here with the constitution study when we first started covid was was going on um specifically the illegality. Uh, As I understand it, under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, uh, a member of the military cannot be compelled to take a treatment that has not been licensed by the FDA, correct?
7: Yeah, so this goes back to, um, you know, some people might be aware of this timeline. So the mandate went into effect on August 24th, 2021, with a memo signed by the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. One day prior to that, August 23rd, 2021 the fda supposedly approved a product that has come to be known as the community product and this is where it gets extremely legally shady because you basically have a licensed product community that didn't exist and then you have other products that are not licensed and therefore they only exist under emergency use authorization but at least they exist and you're trying to pretend that these products are the same and can be used interchangeably While being legally distinct. So what we see is a lot of medical and legal obfuscation. uh, And in my mind, not a lawyer, but in my mind, certainly sounds like fraud when you are misrepresenting an unlicensed product as if it were either licensed or interchangeable with a product that is licensed when uh, according to the law, it cannot be.
0: Yeah, and that definitely is fraud. And even there's even as that more evidence come out has come out that uh, the EUA was not legally authorized because there were treatments, there were actually inexpensive, effective treatments, which means there was no basis for the EUA. There's a whole lot of that. Um, right. and, and again, I'm a civilian. I, I have not served. Uh, you have. You've put your your life on the line and said, you know. I'm going to I'm going to protect this country. I'm going to protect the Constitution, and I think that's an important distinction when we think about the Commander in Chief. But you take an oath to support the Constitution to defend right. it from all enemies, foreign and domestic.
7: Yeah, you know, and that's uh, an important distinction to make because, you know, imagine the danger that could present itself if we had senior officers within our military that were taking an oath to a man as opposed to to the Constitution. You know, because all of our elected officials also take oaths to the Constitution. So in theory, if you work in a functional republic, because so here's kind of the dirty little secret. This is the situation that I found myself in. You know, everyone wants to say that when you when you serve in the military, you're serving your country. And that sounds nice. But what's more accurate is when you serve in the military, you serve the government because you have a chain of command. Now, in a functional republic where everyone is abiding by the oath that they have taken, then by serving in the military, you would be serving your country and everything would work out the way that it should. However, what happens when you have all of your senior officers which are in open and willful violation of their oaths to the constitution? Well, now you're gonna find yourself in a situation that I found myself in. So am I being loyal to the institution, the military, or am I being, and, and, and therefore my country and the, and the oath that I took the constitution, or am I being loyal to individuals who perhaps outrank me in the military, but they are no longer um, in good faith with the oath that they took the Constitution. So that's kind of the that's kind of the situation that I found myself in, and I, and, and so I just decided to leave the military.
0: So, and as I understand it, uh, under the UCMJ, you're only required to follow lawful orders.
7: That is correct. But again, yes,
0: there are consequences for challenging the lawfulness of an order. I mean, there's there's no free lunch in that. It's it's a it's a a perilous step to do so.
7: Yeah. I mean, you know, we got a lot of people out there, um, who, who don't really understand this. And unfortunately I get this argument from people who have served and it it kind of blows my mind that they don't understand this, but a common critique that we get is, Hey, didn't they teach you, you have to follow orders in the military. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So yes, Do you have to follow orders in the military? Yes, of course. Does the military have to be built upon good order and discipline? And does that mean you follow orders? Yes, of course. Do you have to follow orders you do not like? Yes. Do you have to follow orders that may put you at risk or orders that you even find unsound? Yes. Now, you may be able to perhaps go to the issuing authority of those orders and maybe talk about why you find it unsound, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, you have to follow orders even if you do not like them, Mm -hmm. even if it puts you in danger. I mean, imagine if... On D-Day, we had had a bunch of soldiers who stood up and said, I'm not going, you know? So everything I just said though, has a huge caveat. And that is, well, what about unlawful orders or orders that you, um, in good faith, you believe that there's enough, you know, kind of prima facie evidence that it may be unlawful. Okay, now that's completely different. That's completely different. And the military actually does a very good job about teaching even its most junior service members that not only do you not have an obligation to follow unlawful orders, you actually have a duty to disobey unlawful orders.
0: Interesting. Excellent. So I, I don't want to, we, we could talk forever probably. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the, the declaration. Um, you said the basic, the, the declaration that you and uh, you said was a 230 other uh, current and former service personnel. Is yeah. that you will hold accountable the, the people that brought this mess upon uh, the military itself?
7: Yeah, so my good buddy, Rob Green. So Rob Green is a commander in the Navy. Interestingly enough, he wrote a book last year that came out on July 4th called Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines and very courageously wrote it, put his, his real name on it. He's still serving, you know, incurred some risk by doing that. Towards the end of the year, he comes up with the idea that we need to write an open letter to the American public. So he kind of crafts a letter. He shares it with a couple of us. You know, we kind of work on the language. We condense it down to one page. We socialize it with a larger group. We get 231 people to put their names on it, service members and vets. And then on January 1st, we decided to roll it out. So the the way we did so was I sent an email to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and 17 other senior military officials, and I attached the document and I said, this is an open letter that we, the 231 signatories, have pledged to the American public. And this email is to notify you that this document is about to hit the streets. I sent that email at 4 a.m. on January 1st. And then I turned around a couple of minutes later and I put a post on Twitter, put a put a screenshot of the body of the document. And uh, within a couple of weeks, that, that one post had been seen 4 million times. Um, then that same day, we also got into the hands of certain media networks, and then just from there, it just generated a a ton of steam. So if people want to find that declaration, go to militaryaccountability.com, militaryaccountability.com, and you're going to find two things. One, you're going to find that one-page declaration, the Declaration of Military Accountability. Behind that, you will find the pages of signatures, 231 in total, of those who courageously put their names on that document. But then the second document that you will find is an associated petition. So anybody can sign the petition. You, you don't have to have any affiliation with the military whatsoever. If you read that petition and we encourage you to do so and you like what it says and you want to pledge your name as well, then we encourage anyone to go to militaryaccountability.com and uh, sign that petition and then share it. So far, it's got about 24,000 signatures.
0: Well, my name's definitely going on there at the end of this. Um, I, love it. You know, I, I love it. I'm looking at the doc at the page now and you've got this quote from Samuel Adams. The love of liberty is interwoven in the soul of man and can never be totally extinguished. There are certain periods when human patience can no longer endure indignity and oppression. The spark of liberty then kindles into a flame.
7: Yeah, so in the uh, the declaration itself also opens with an epigraph from uh, John Adams. so so those documents are very much written in the spirit of the founding fathers. And uh, I have to credit, again, the, the the primary author, Rob Green, for that. He's the one who um, has a deep love, like myself, for history and a, a deep understanding of the Constitution. But he's the one who decided to frame it, not just in that language, but kind of in that spirit, if you will. But uh, but absolutely. Yeah, militaryaccountability.com.
0: I agree. I'll have a link on the show page when it goes up. Uh, I encourage you, don't wait. Go to the website. Again, it's militaryaccountability.net. And add your name to the list of those who said, we've had enough. You know, these men and women, um, they forego their lives. They pledge their, their lives to help protect us. And we need to stand with them. And I, I keep talking about this in other venues, or in other situations. But when you're talking about people who said, they, they, they signed their name. They said, yeah, you can put my yeah. life at risk. You can send me all over the world. So that I will, because I will do this at an event. And let's face it, you don't get paid a lot to do this. You're certainly not most people aren't doing it for the money. It's time for the American people to stand with them and say, "Yeah, when one when wrong has been done, let's stand with them and do what we can do to right that wrong." Um, you know, it, it it's been a pleasure talking to you. I'm I'm glad my friend sent me the link. I'm glad we had a chance to discuss this here on the radio program. Do you have a, a final message for my audience, something for them to consider?
7: Yeah, one thing. And that is, you know, remember when Benjamin Franklin said, coming out of the Philadelphia Convention, when he was supposed, you know, according to the story, he's asked, what kind of government did you give us? And he says, "A Republic, if you can keep it. So when you live in a Republic, what that means is you certainly have some protected rights. And that's a great thing. But here's the other side of that that uh, that coin, if you will you also have a lot of responsibilities as a citizen of a republic. So I just want to urge everyone, you know, get off the couch. You got to get informed, you got to get active, and you got to get engaged.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I use that 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 story frequently. Uh, I also point out, you know, people say that knowledge is power, but knowledge is only power when you put it into action.
7: Correct. It's yeah. one
0: thing to know that something is wrong. It's another thing to stand up and say that it's wrong. And it's also important that we stand with those that stand up and say that it's wrong. Uh, Brad, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, You know, I will certainly have the website uh, on the, uh, the link on the page when it goes up. And again, if news comes up and you want to get the word out, feel free. You've got my email. Reach out and we'll be happy to put you here on the Constitution Study. We love talking to people that actually understand the Constitution and are willing to live by it. Thank you. So that was Brad Miller. That was a great uh, discussion. It was the first time I actually sat and talked with him. I, I I'm hoping to have him back. I think it was a really great. I hope you truly enjoyed uh, Mr. Miller, Dr. Latulip, and and the other work that we're doing here. You know, it, it's about so here's someone putting his 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 oath into action, saying, you know, my what you're asking me to do is not aligning with my oath to defend the Constitution. And if it means I have to give up a, a pension to do so, I will. Um, I I foresee some really interesting conversations because he has both the military background and, and the constitutional background. He keeps referring to us as a republic, not democracy. He talks about the oath to the Constitution, not to the, the president. So it's, uh, like I said, I hope I have, to have him back. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, you know, it, 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 I don't usually have two guests on, but... I find it interesting how the topics merged. How, in, in talking with Dr. Latulip, we ended up into the COVID question, which brought along the uh, the question the uh, Brad Miller's uh, conversation and what the, what was done to the military and his response to it. I hope you enjoyed it so much. You'll come back and join us for future episodes. We're on the Constitution Study is on every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. We're heard on the iHeartRadio Network. Now you can also listen on podcasts. These episodes go to podcast pretty much a couple of days after they're heard on the radio, and you can listen with your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Uh, leave the episode's ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. And oh, by the way, if you have a person or a topic or a, a, a group that you think would be an interesting discussion, contact me through my website, constitutionstudy.com, and just ask a question. I'd be more than happy to take a look. Now you can find all the links for the radio program and the podcast at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as I've been saying, knowledge is not power until it's put into action. The knowledge of what is going on is useful. It doesn't become powerful until you put it into action by sharing those links, sharing that information, and by doing so, share the blessings of liberty.